All right, Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for uh, the spirit that administrates the word and administrates truth. Lord, I thank you for the fire that is burning in our bellies, Lord. You said it, that if we would believe on you, that out of our belly, our innermost being, rivers of living water would burst forth. This world needs to see you. It is our heart to put you on display. That's what we were created for, is to bear your image and colonize the earth with your goodness. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We're going to continue sharing on the centrality of Jesus. No other foundation can be laid than the one that uh, has already been laid, Paul said. And so we want to lay the foundation of Jesus Christ in our individual lives, our homes and families, our churches, our businesses, our private life and our public life. We want Jesus to be the very foundation of everything we are and everything that we do. If you are just joining us here at Grace Church, let me make sure this thing... Somebody want to fix this up for me? It says it's reconnecting. Thanks. Um, If you're new here, maybe today's your first day or maybe just uh, been here a couple of times, your timing could not be more perfect because uh, we're in a very prayerful and careful refining here at Grace Church. Uh, Through COVID and all kind of the ups and downs of 20 and 20, we were able to really sit with the Lord and say, Lord, are we doing what you want us to be doing? Are we about the Father's business as we should be? And so we're just re-clarifying who we are. Nobody in this room or worshiping with us online should ever have to wonder who we are or where we're going. Uh, I will say if you don't like hearing about Jesus, you may not like Grace Church very much because <laughs> we're going to talk a whole lot about Him. Uh, we have committed ourselves to recenter our lives on knowing His person, knowing His work, knowing His teaching, and what? Obeying it, knowing His authority, and of course, knowing His voice, His living voice. We have spent a couple weeks in this series on knowing His person. Now we're into getting to know His work. But as I said, everything we do, there shouldn't be any confusion. Everything we're about at Grace Church is going to have at its center... Jesus Christ, knowing Him, knowing His work, knowing what He came to do. We're going to live and die, like I said, on this mountain. This is what we call a disciple at Grace Church, someone who abides in Him. That means you live connected to Him all day, every day, which leads into becoming like Him. You walk in His ways. Uh, His attitude, His nature, His character is seen in your life. Amen, somebody? Even if you're having a rough day at work, I mean, you just ooze Jesus. Stuck in traffic? Ooze Jesus. So, And then that leads to, we continue to abide, we continue to live connected to the vine. He's our source and our supply, so we start looking like Him, bearing fruit after His image, and then, of course, do His works. And in those works, we want to help people get connected to Jesus and become like Jesus, and then help them to help others get connected to Jesus and become more and more like Him. So uh, we are not united around a church service. That is not where our unity is. Our, our unity is around the mission of Jesus Christ and advancing His kingdom, His spirit, His lordship, uh, and as many hearts will receive Him. So let's go to Ephesians 2, verse 18 this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 through 22. This is the NIV. For through Jesus Christ... We all have access to the Father by one Spirit. Scott Knepp and I were talking uh, Friday at lunch. The bottom line is, if you don't love Jesus, you really don't know what He accomplished for you. I mean, if you're not incredibly humbled after everything you hear today and the next few weeks on knowing His mission, what did He come to do and what did He accomplish, you're going to be radically in love with Him. Because it's astounding what Jesus accomplished. And I think a tragedy is that much of the Western church really doesn't fully know what he did. They kind of stop at, yeah, he died on the cross, and oh yeah, he rose again. Yay for him. There's a lot more to it, guys, in what he restored, who he redeemed, who he reconciled. 
I mean, all kinds of stuff. But through Jesus, we have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers. You are fellow citizens with God's people. You're members of His household, built on the foundation of apostles and prophets. Look at this. With Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. He holds it all together. Without Him, it's all coming down. And that's what this time has allowed us to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, where, where are we missing it? Are we off course at all? We don't want to be off course. We want to be right in line with your spirit. Whatever you want Grace Church to be, whatever you want us to go after, that's what we want. And the word of the Lord is, center everything on me. Everything else that can be shaken will fall apart. It'll be proven fallible. I've got to get my church back to me as the foundation of their lives, their Homes and families, their church, everything. Verse 21, in him, Christ, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Can I get a witness? He's not talking about a physical building. He's talking about us. We are the holy temple in him that's being built. You are the sacred and peaceful place God is building. It's not, it's not wood and brick, guys. You are the sacred place he's building. You are the peaceful place he's building. Verse 22, and in him, you too are being built together. Everybody say together. We should be getting along. We should love each other well. We're being built together to what? Become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And this is eternal life, that they would know you, the one and only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Can I get a witness? According to John 4, 24, God is Spirit. If you want to know Him, you can't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. God is Spirit. If you're going to know Him, you're going to worship Him, you're going to hear from Him, you, you got to get born of the Spirit, guys. It doesn't matter uh, how many times you sign a card and think you got a ticket to heaven. What He cares about is does He live intimately in your spirit. God is Spirit. He is not a religion. And he's alive by that spirit. So I love that. Everything Jesus did, everything he accomplished, culminated with God living in you by the spirit. And I'm telling you, he wouldn't be living in you if he hadn't already eradicated your sin problem. God is holy. Now, do you struggle? Do you do big pieces of stupid like me? Yes, But he doesn't leap out of your body because the price has already been paid. Romans chapter 6 verse 7 says, Whoever has died has been freed from sin. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. The punishment for your sin has already been executed. And I said it earlier. He didn't just die for you on that cross. He died as you. You were put to death when he died. That's how clean you are. Amen. Think about that. How forgiven are you really? Well, Scripture says that if you've died, you've been freed from sin. Then righteous judgment. How many of you have ever committed a sin? Show of hands. All right. Righteous judgment for sin is death. So he died not just for you. He died as you. You were crucified with Christ. The old man was put to death. The old you died. Lord, help us to see it by revelation. I put this up last week. I got a lot of good comments on it, so I throw it up there again. I'm glad you were blessed. A a church member or just a religious Christian type focus, ministry for Jesus. We got to get out there and do it for him. A disciple of Jesus? No, intimacy with Jesus. That's where it starts. I got to get connected to the vine. I can't tell you how beautiful it is to hear so many people who are now beginning to hear the voice of the Lord who have said to him, okay, we're connected. I'm hearing you. What do you want to go do? And he'll say, sit with me. Get to know me. Amen. Because we've been misrepresenting him for so long on this planet. Let's get to know him. Let's get acclimated to his spirit, his voice that's inside of us so that when we go forth, he is released, not our impersonation of him. Woo, glory. Church member, it's all about attendance. Disciple of Jesus, heartfelt obedience. Sunday is the Lord's. Nope, every day is the Lord's. 
Church is an organization. No, it's an organism. It's alive. I just read it to you. In Ephesians 2. It's a living organism with the breath of God in it. Church member unites around the meeting. Disciple unites around Jesus' mission. The beautiful part of that is his mission goes on 24-7. So we're always united in that endeavor. We're always working uh, together towards advancing his kingdom. Church member, form of godliness, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Disciple of Jesus, power of the Holy Spirit. Consumer-driven, me first, all about me and what I want. Disciple of Jesus cares about developing others. How can I get people connected to him? How can I help people uh, become more like him? How can I, who can I walk with? Who can I lay my life down for to make sure that they're hearing his voice and walking with him? It's a disciple of Jesus focus. And then, of course, going to heaven versus extending heaven. Now, some people look at this. They may not want this, but let me tell you something. The Lord wants this for them. The Lord wants everything on that right side for them and their family. They may not want it, but he wants it. He desires it. So we're going to get back to knowing his work. Recommit ourselves to not just knowing his person. This makes just, it's just good common Oklahoma sense. If you're a Christ follower, you're like, you consider yourself two thirds of this country. 66% say, I am a Christian. If you consider yourself a Christ follower, then you should commit to Noah's person. You should really be about, I want to know him. And then I want to know his work. And that's where we are right now. When we know the work of Christ, we quit struggling to live in the benefits and the reality of all he's provided. Because of what he's done, and I'll show you today, you have inward intimacy with Almighty God. You cannot get closer than inside. Gavin and Kenda are married. They're intimate couple. But even Gavin doesn't live inside of Kenda. Kenda does not live inside of Gavin. We're talking about an intra-personal relationship with a living God. This is why he died on the cross. When you know his work, you can begin to appropriate his life. You can begin to appropriate his word, appropriate his spirit. Inward intimacy. How about new creation identity? Anybody glad to not be who you used to be? Even though that old man does show up some. (laughs) How about a brand new covenant? How do you relate to God? Do you relate to him based on the old covenant or the new one? As a Gentile, you're only offered one. And that's the new one in Christ. We're going to get into that. And then Jesus, of course, came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. So we now can begin to appropriate what he's done. We appropriate his word. We appropriate his life. We appropriate his spirit in our daily life. We overcome all the wiles of the devil, the tricks of our adversary. We start living now with who and what has been made available to us. Why? Because we understand his work. I'm a Christ follower. So I'm not only committed to know his person, I'm committed to know what he accomplished. I want to know why he came. You know what I've been doing the last couple of weeks? Just going through the Bible and seeing where either Jesus said or someone else in Scripture said, this is why he came. For this reason, I have come. That's all I've done. I'm going to show them to you here in just a little bit. Without a revelation of his work, we tend to live shallow, immature, religious lives instead of experiencing deep levels of Christ-likeness and victory that he desires for us. What if more than anything, more than he wants you to go witnessing, more than he wants you to pray five hours a day, more than he wants you to give me, give me another good work, feed the poor. He wants you to bear his image. Do you think anybody's ever gone out witnessing and not been a good reflection of his true love? What does he care more about that you went out witnessing? He cares more about that you're a reflection of his nature. That's why he's telling these people who are now hearing the voice of the Lord, don't run out and go do something. Sit with me. Know me. Go low and go slow. Be humble. And let's go slow. Get to know me. And then we'll what? We'll bear more fruit than we ever ever would have. Trying hard for Jesus. Trying to do something hard for him. Listen to this. I'm reminded of John 17, 21. Listen to what Jesus said. Father, let them be one as you and I are one. That they would be one in us. Wow. 
that the world would know that you sent me here. So it's our oneness with each other, but also our oneness with the Father and the Son that says to the world, Jesus Christ came here for them. He came for your oneness with God. He came for your oneness with Him, Jesus Christ. And He came for your oneness with each other. This should affect how we live. This should affect our expression. When you know how forgiven you are, you can actually start forgiving people. Because you're not void of forgiveness. You have received forgiveness from Him. He's your supply inwardly. So out of what you have, you freely give. Does that make sense? That's a whole lot better than the Old Testament law, which Jesus was still teaching in the four Gospels. Now, He would give us glimpses to the New Covenant. But in Matthew 18, remember when He said, Hey, if you don't forgive, your Father won't forgive you. We're not supposed to think, Man, I better get out there and try hard to be a forgiver. You better read that and be like, God, help me. Help. And then after He teaches this, He goes to the cross and dies. And now the grand supernatural forgiver takes up residence in you. Remember when Jesus on the cross said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do? Nobody even apologized to Him. And yet He forgave. Because the power to forgive doesn't come from an apology. It comes from the Spirit of God inside you. The Father was His source for love and forgiveness so He could forgive. And then go to Acts chapter 7 and the first martyr, Stephen. They stoned him. And what did he say? Father, do not hold this against them. So he basically says the same thing Jesus Christ had said on the cross. How is that possible? The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead and that was present in Christ on the cross was now present in Stephen. Stephen was not acting like Jesus. Jesus was alive in Stephen. That is the gospel of the kingdom of God. That is what he came to do. Christianity is not the imitation of Jesus. It is the indwelling intimacy of Jesus. The disciples knew Jesus better after he left than when they hung out with him for three years. Jesus said in John 16, I think it is, he said, it's better that I go away. Because if I don't, if I stay here with you, I can't send you the comforter. And so the best you can do is be beside me. But if you'll let me be crucified, I'll send the Holy, clean you. I'll send the Holy Spirit inside of you. And I won't be next to you. I'll be in you. So the love that you saw me love the lepers with, the power you saw me heal the man born blind with, will be in you. And everything, Gretchen said it earlier, everything that I have inherited from my father, you're a joint heir of. You can have it. Does that make sense to you? I'm trying to help you to quit being religious, and trying to act like Jesus. You cannot be like Him without Him. So He died for you to put His Spirit and life on the inside of you. Romans 5.10 says you are saved by His life. Zoe, the divine life of God. Thank God for the blood, but what saves you is His life on the inside of you. So I just thought of that in John 17.21. He came for your oneness with the Father and with the Son and then with each other. So here's several works of Jesus. And if you want to take a picture, I encourage you to do it. There's some great stuff here. The works and the mission of Jesus Christ. Everybody say, we are Christ followers. All right, because we're Christ followers and not just religious church members, we actually purpose to know what He came to do. Number one, reintroduce the kingdom of God to us by putting the Spirit of God back inside us so He could extend His Father's intimate and redemptive rule through us. Where do you get that? Matthew 4, 17, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's what Jesus said. Luke 4, 43, I must go into all these other towns and preach the gospel of the kingdom as well because for this reason I have come. Jesus said it, Luke 4, 43. John 18, 37, He told Pilate, I am a king. You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause, I've come into the world. Daniel 2, 44 is just a prophetic word about how His kingdom will smash all the other man-made kingdoms. It'll overthrow any other human form of government that's ever introduced. This is the greatest form of government ever introduced to mankind, the Spirit of God living intimately and triumphantly in the human heart. Do you realize if we all get born again, filled with the Spirit, we won't even need laws. Because the law of love 
will govern our actions and attitudes every day. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. Number two I found, the First John 3, 8, The reason the Son of God was made manifest was to destroy the works of the devil. Shame. Guilt, separation, go read Genesis, find out what happened to us as human beings after the fall. Once we gave uh, power and privilege to the enemy, what happened to us? Fear, shame, separation, all that. We had no hope of getting back to God. That's what I'm saying. Jesus Christ came to restore what you lost in the Garden of Eden. He is the second Adam, according to 1 Corinthians. Amen. Go ahead and give God praise. So if he... If he comes to restore you, then he has to put you back. Look up the definition of restore. It means to put you right back to the place you fell from. So here's Adam and Eve, and there's the fall. That's what happened in Genesis. Jesus Christ comes, picks us up, and most people think, oh, well, he restores right here because we're really bad people, and, uh, you know, we do a lot of dumb things, and so, no. If he's going to restore you, he did it, not you. He put you right back here. And he didn't restore you all the way up to heaven either. Because you didn't fall from heaven. You fell from your leadership position in the earth. That's where you fell from. So you're to bear his image. You're to take dominion. You're to spread the fruit of his nature all throughout the earth. Oh, here you go. Yeah, good catch. Oh, I'm sorry. I got distracted. Um... (laughs) Acts 10.38, Luke 4.18, you can check him out. He also came to initiate a brand new covenant. Thank you, Jesus. How you relate to God is based on which covenant you believe you're in. Number four, he came to bring judgment on and reveal the condition of a person's heart. Check out John 9.39 and John 3.18. It's incredible. And we will in this series. I'm probably, I don't know if I'll teach all these, but definitely the first five, six, seven we're going to pour into. John 9.39 Jesus said, for judgment I have come into the world. And yet we know from verse uh, John three seventeen, Luke chapter 9, verse 55, 56, it says clearly Jesus didn't come to judge men, but his presence brought judgment. And here's why. The presence of the truth, the love of God, walking around in sandals on planet earth, revealed the condition of the soil of every human being that encountered him's heart. So judgment was the byproduct of Jesus being here. The Pharisee's soil, was it very good? Very hard. Very hard. What about the sinners? Most of them humbled themselves and received him. So it brought judgment. Number five, he came to make disciples. Number six, to reveal the true nature of God. Thank you, Jesus. Number seven, to bring us life and have it more abundantly. John 10.10, right? He said, I've come that you might have life, that's Zoe, the divine life of God in you. Verse uh, number eight, to seek and save the lost. He came to take away your sin and to call sinners to repentance. Good stuff, right? So as Christ followers, we purpose to know these things. We study these out. We, we need to know why he came. So getting back to number one, which is where I left off last week. Jesus came to reintroduce the kingdom of God to us by putting this, the Spirit of God back in us so He could extend His Father's rule through us. So after we sinned, what did we do in the garden? What was our real big piece of stupid in the garden? We declared independence from God. We didn't need Him to be like Him. Satan said, if you'll eat of this tree, you'll be like God. Who were they already like? Already like Him. So He tempted them to do what He did, declare independence from God. I don't need you. That is the major calamity that happened in uh, the Garden of Eden. So after we sinned and we declared our independence from God, the government of heaven took back the Holy Spirit. Much like the Bahamas in 1973 became uh, a nation and they declared independence from Great Britain. So guess what Great Britain did? They took back their ambassador, their governor. The person who was in the Bahamas on behalf of Great Britain to colonize it and culturalize, making the Bahamas look like Great Britain, they took him back 
because the Bahamas declared independence from Great Britain. So in the same way, the government of heaven took back the Spirit of God. Remember, Adam and Eve, Adam lived to be 930 years old. So he didn't die physically, and he didn't die solically. He still had emotions, and he still had a choosing mechanism, but they did die spiritually. Their connection to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of heaven, was broken, and they experienced separation. Okay, and separation, according to Scripture, is death. All right, so we had tainted God's dwelling place in Genesis and were therefore righteously condemned. And we felt it. We felt the weight of condemnation. Condemn is a builder's term, right? That you're no longer fit to live in. So heaven took back the spirit and presence of God that was in Adam and Eve. And uh, we see then from there, God starts uh, working on a plan We'll see the Holy Spirit, the governor, would come upon some people in the Old Testament. Have you noticed that? The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, would come upon certain messengers in the Old Testament for an assignment. But once the assignment was finished, the Holy the Spirit would vacate. The Spirit was not moving into anybody permanently ever in the Old Testament. Never happened. So, Brother Steve, are you saying that David, Moses, Abraham, Jeremiah, Isaiah, none of them were born again? That's exactly what I'm saying. The Spirit could not come and live permanently inside the original temple, us, until the price for sin was paid. And now they would offer sacrifices, right? But those were just a foreshadowing of the real Lamb of God that was to come. Now, here's what I like about David. He did totally understand the the uh he had a great glimpse i will say into the new covenant he valued god's presence david absolutely was a forerunner that man he didn't want to live if he didn't have the spirit of god in that in that ark or in the tent it had to be somewhere but that's just temporary housing the spirit of god is with them he's living among them because he loves us but he can't move back inside of us permanently yet does that make sense So we're talking about Isaiah, Jeremiah, Abraham, all the heroes of vacation Bible school. And yet, look what Jesus said in Matthew 11, 11. Among those born of woman, there's none greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I'm all for teaching our kids that David was great, Isaiah was great, Abraham was great, but will you also please teach them that they're going to be greater than any of them? Because the Spirit of God is going to return back inside once the cross happens. My goodness. So the recalling of the Holy Spirit in the garden didn't mean God didn't love us. It just meant we weren't able to represent Him in the earth in our fallen condition. So without the Holy Spirit present inside man, heaven's culture couldn't be manifested on the earth any more than Great Britain's culture could be manifested in the Bahamas. Once the governor left, once the ambassador left. So one of the major assignments of Jesus Christ is to deliver the governor back to mankind. Where we could be what? Cultured like heaven on the inside. And from there... See, I said last week, the kingdom's got to come in you first so it can come through you. And then we can culturalize the earth, our living room, our family room, our church, our services, our eat the word nights, our outreaches. We culture it with the very presence of God because he's in us. You are now the walking ark of the covenant. Because of who? Jesus. That's what I mean. If we figure out what he really accomplished, we're going to be madly in love with him. So he comes to deliver the governor back to us, give us our original identity back to us, our dominion mandate, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, and our leadership role, and to reconnect us to the voice of heaven. How many of you think it'd be hard to be the ambassador of Great Britain inside the Bahamas and never hear from Great Britain? Jesus came to reestablish your connection to heaven. And give you the, the phone receiver on the inside in your heart. How amazing is he? It's, it's incredible what he did. It's incredible. When we major on these things, it's not hard to worship. 
When all we think about is, well, my life's going this way or somebody was mean to me, it's hard to worship. When you get a hold of what he actually did, it'll change your worship. It'll change the condition of your heart and any self-centeredness you're struggling with. How about this statement? Jesus is the most important person ever on earth, not just because of what he said or did or taught, but because of what he made available to humankind once again, life in and through and by and with God's internal spirit. That's why he's the most important person ever. And man, I, I don't get it. I grew up in church. I grew up in church and I never knew God lived inside of me ever. Never knew it. I was even saved in fifth grade and I didn't know. Because the church I was in, when they give you the Bible with the zipper on it, and you graduate fifth grade Sunday school class, you're saved. I didn't even know I was saved. I was just excited I got a Bible that had maps in it and all kinds of stuff. (laughs) Nobody ever told me that I had been reconnected to the voice of heaven on the inside. Nobody ever told me I was so clean that God's son had moved inside of my own heart. The church today in the West is not bad. We're just stuck in our own resources. We are carnal. We live naturally. We try to move with good ideas. We have to get reconnected to the voice of heaven. When we start living reconnected and living by every word that he supplies, every word that proceeds out of our Father's mouth, we can change the world. We can overthrow the kingdoms of darkness. Why has the church struggled in America so much? Why have we succumbed to, I mean, just pick one, whether it's drugs or pornography or whatever. Why do we succumb? Because we're stuck in our own resources. We have not learned to live by the resources of heaven. And yet Jesus said in Matthew 5, 3, Blessed are the poor in spirit. All of heaven belongs to you. You have all of heaven's resource at your disposal if you're humble. And the opposite of humble is man's good ideas. We're doing the same thing we did in the Garden of Eden, just declaring independence from God and trying to do something great for Him. And it's garbage. If anything good is going to be produced in our individual lives or this church, it needs to be God-breathed. It needs to be Him doing it through our willingness. Can I get a witness on that? See, the church should be more interested in being supernatural again than being sophisticated. And in the West, we treasure being sophisticated. We treasure that nothing scary happened. The Holy Spirit didn't do anything today. I tell you, it was line upon line. It was just all right in a row. If you're controlling everything, he's not there. I told you about the pastor friend of mine that was preaching here, right here in Oklahoma City about 20 years ago. And he had an open vision of Jesus on the front row while he was preaching. And Jesus was sat on the front row just like this, his arms folded behind his head, right over left or left over right, bored out of his mind. (laughs) And this is in church. Jesus is bored. (laughs) And then he left the building. (laughs) So my friend, he was super smart. He waited till after church was over to go to his office and ask the Lord, what were you showing me? What's going on there? He said, I won't say his name. He said his name You don't let me do anything. You do everything. From the beginning of service to the end of service. You all are just... God forbid. The church in America is not bad. We're just stuck in our own resources. We have to learn to live again by the power of the Holy Spirit, by what He's supplying... Uh, fall in love with his word again. I love, I love this note. We need to fall in love with his word. The scripture is so important because it brings us to relationship with him. John 5, 39 and 40. Okay? So we're not bad. We're just trying to be sophisticated when we need to be supernatural. Because if you're going to call yourself a Christian, that is the life that you have enlisted in. You have a connection to the supernatural realm of heaven. And more important, I'm telling you, God's more interested in getting all of heaven into you than he is getting you into heaven. That is the gospel that Jesus preached. The return of God's Spirit, check this one out. The return of God's Spirit was prophesied many times throughout the Old Testament. I mentioned Isaiah 9. The governor will be upon his shoulders, right? They'll call him Wonderful Counselor, all that stuff. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 29. Who can tell me what that one says? In the last days... 
God will pour out His Spirit on a few. All flesh. Sons, daughters, male, female. Only the men. All. Whosoever will receive Him. So we know Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 and 45 says that in the days of those kings, and I believe that's the Roman government, the Roman kings, uh, the Caesars and all that, that God would set up a kingdom that would never be destroyed. It would smash all the other kingdoms. And it was a little, uh, I think it was a stone cut out of the mountain without human hands. So it's not man-made. It's not a man-made kingdom. It's a God-breathed kingdom. And that he'd fill the earth with it. So isn't that interesting? Isaiah, we're talking government. Joel, we're talking Holy Spirit. Daniel, we're talking kingdom. They all are the same thing. Because God rules by the Spirit. How about this one? Matthew 4. Let's fast forward into uh, the Gospels. And leaving Nazareth, Jesus came and dwelt in Capernaum which is by the sea in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. This has always been foretold. A king and his kingdom is coming. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region in shadow of death, light, capital L, has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here. The government of God is here. Jesus did not preach the gospel of going to heaven. He did not say, Repent, sign a card, get water baptized. When you're dead, I'll see you. Heaven is here now. See, when I was growing up, what they taught us was everybody will be happy over there. But what Jesus actually brought is, hey, what's over there? I brought here. Remember that old song, everybody will be happy over there? What are we supposed to do in the meantime? (laughs) Be sad. Remember that sign on I-35, Christians, please inform your faces. That's because of people who are longing for the day, some glad morning when my life is over. I will fly away to the sweet by and by and we'll all be happy over there. And yet Jesus came and announced, hey, I I came from over there and I brought what's over there, over here. Because all the hurting, dead and broken people are here on this planet. So let's colonize it. Amen! (laughs) Woo! Man, who's got roast in the oven? Because it's 1035 and my goodness, I got a long way to go and a short time to get there. (laughs) But we got to do what they say can't be done. (laughs) Remember that song, Brian? Mark 9.1, Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, some of you are standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. The kingdom cannot be a future event. It can't be relegated to just when we're dead because he told the disciples, you're going to see the kingdom of God present with power. And the word power there in the Greek is dunamis. Very good. First Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God is not in word, not in speech, not in a bunch of just sermons. <laughs> it's in power. What's the Greek word for power? Dunamis. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and you shall receive power. What's the Greek word for power? Dunamis. When who comes upon you? The Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God came in the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. That's what He came to put inside you, to lead you, to lord you, and to guide you. See, and a lot of people, I I mentioned that some people don't want, you know, what the Lord wants on that diagram of church member focus and disciple focus. They don't want it because it's super easy. If Jesus is just fire insurance, and I believe that He died and rose again, therefore I'm saved, I'm saved, yay, I get to live however I want. And I'll see Jesus when I'm dead. But what if he came not just to be Savior? What if he came to be Lord? What if he came to Lord you and lead you and and, uh, use you to become an expression of who God is in the earth? Well, now he wants to be chief decision maker. I love agapeo in the Greek. It's literally love as a verb. So the love of God has exploded in your heart by the... Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 5, 5, and He influences your heart to choose His choices. I love that. 
So he doesn't choose for you because that's not love. But he does influence you every day to choose his choices and be like his dad. Amen. What else we got? The best, here's the best one to reveal what happened, what went wrong from Genesis and then what Jesus uh, would come to fix. This is Ezekiel 36, 22, NIV. Therefore say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you've gone. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned. The name you have profaned. (laughs) Do you get the point? (laughs) You profaned it among them. And the nations will know, though, that I'm the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. So what happened? Well, we're totally misrepresenting God all over the planet. And why wouldn't he? Nobody, Nobody was born again. So his spirit was not inside of a human being. So his creation, humankind, is not a reflection of him. But he says, I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to prove myself holy, who I really am. And I'm going to do it through you and your lives. This is incredible. Verse 24, I'll take you out of the nations. I'll gather you from all countries. I'll bring you back to your own land. Look at 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. And I'll cleanse you from all impurities and all your idols. So what has to come first? The cleansing. And then what, 26, then what comes next? I'll give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit inside you. I'll remove you from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Woo! Cross, Holy Spirit. Cross, Holy Spirit. Church in America is not bad. We're just stuck in our own resources. We have just been void of living by the Spirit for too long. Ed said earlier, the word of the Lord was embrace the fire. Embrace the move. Catch what I'm doing. I am calling you back to myself. Intimacy first. Yes, ministry is coming, but intimacy first. Come on and give Him praise in the house of God. Oh, it's the gospel. It is the gospel. That's the one Jesus preached. So get to know this passage. Get to know Ezekiel, guys. There's your homework. Read Ezekiel 36, 22 through 27, because this explains our mission so very well. You know, we've been praying into core values for the last few months, praying into them. You know, we got some good ones, but Lord, are we really tracking true? Are we on the right track? One of them that keeps coming back to our spirit is put him on display, put him on display, put him on display, that we want to value when people see us, they see him. Because he paid such a high price to be able to move back on the inside of us. John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. What kind of fruit? The fruit of his spirit. So that when we go witnessing, or we do, we go serve at Nakoma Park Intermediate. It's not about something we're doing after the natural. It's about the condition of our heart. That they see his love in what we're doing. They experience His joy and peace and shalom in what we're doing. Boy, it's exciting. Woo, it's exciting. Man, I just want to stay all day. Can we stay till 6.30? Everybody say, put God on display. This is what the war is over. But it begins with intimacy. So please, don't get the cart before the horse. Get to know him. Spend time with him. Sit with him. Sit with him in Scripture. Let him show you who he is. Look at the Beatitudes, man. Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes reveals Jesus, of course. But did you know it also reveals the inner condition of those who are born again and part of his kingdom? Poor in spirit, which means humble. They mourn. Blessed are they who mourn. They shall be comforted. As born-again children of God, we mourn sin. I may commit it every once in a while, but I don't, I don't celebrate it. I mourn it. It hurts me. And I hate it. I hate it. Uh, what else? Merciful. So we're merciful. The inner condition of our heart is we're merciful towards people that are sinning or struggling. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We have pure hearts. This is all the Beatitudes. This is the inner condition of those who are born again. Matthew 
Matthew 4, 23 and 24, and I'll, I'll just wrap up with a few of these. Jesus went about all of Galilee, Galilee teaching in their churches, preaching the gospel of the, the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and disease. And then his fame went all throughout Syria, and they brought to him all sick people, afflicted, torments, those who were uh, demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Luke 4:43 he said to them I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because for this purpose I have been sent. Luke 21 or 12:31 Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 32 Do not fear little flock it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Isn't that incredible? This is why he came. Gavin you guys you guys can come. Touch your neighbor and say, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Now say it like, but wait, there's more. (laughs) Look at this, guys. Look at Luke 22, 29. Jesus said, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father has bestowed one upon me. Jesus came to reintroduce the kingdom of God to man by putting the Spirit of God back inside man that he might uh, extend demonstrate, advance his father's redemptive, intimate rule through man. It is about a relationship with the living God and then putting him on display for all to see. Matthew 10, 7, Jesus said to the disciples, as you guys go, preach and say this, the church is here. Church membership is here. No, he said the kingdom of heaven, (laughs) come join our church. No, he said, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Why was there always so much healing going on when he would announce the kingdom was present? Uh, Last thing. The reason healing was always happening is because uh, life under God's Spirit is life-giving and health-producing for human beings. We are made in His image. We're made for Him. When we declared independence in the garden, we worked our own destruction because we were made dependent beings. You're actually handcrafted to live dependent on His Spirit and His voice. He didn't make you to say, Man, you're awesome, Larry. Run out there and do something for me. He made Larry to be dependent every day on Him for life and source and voice. Stand with me. Yeah. Okay, you want to share it? Yeah, share it. So, um... I I think I stepped out to deal with something when you shared, Ed, about embracing the fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that... Embrace the move, embrace the fire is what the Lord okay. said. Okay, so the new season, uh, Friday night, I was in a, a texting conversation with a guy that walked with me in disciple making in the first gen, in, in my first year, and he's not here anymore with us, but he was just asking, like, how's everybody doing, and... I just said, we're moving into a new season. And as I began to text and about um, it, like Grace Church is becoming hungry for the word again, I saw this vision of this Bible. And as each one of you had your Bibles, you were opening it. And like it started catching on fire. Mm. But it didn't scare you. Like you embraced that it was the Lord. And... um there were these swords that were surrounding you that were flames. And I almost pictured it like the Garden of Eden when those those angels were put there with swords and flames, like you could yeah. not enter mm-hmm. back in. Mm-hmm. And it's like that is no more. The flames and the fire are good. It's not something yeah. to keep you away anymore, but you are to yeah, embrace amen. it. And it was all about becoming hungry for the scriptures again to partner with the living voice and it was just really cool how all that fit together so, amen and anyway. that fire is purifying mm-hmm. go ahead yeah and give, it give is God purifying yeah. the fire is purifying look at this jesus didn't cleanse you to leave you empty he lived died rose again and now lives inside you via the holy spirit this gives you a personal and powerful gospel that doesn't just live in history it lives in you this is how we will put him on display this is what the father dreamt of when he created the earth to colonize it with his sons and daughters who look just like him man that's just all over me uh 
If you're not, if you're here today, you're not born again. I just invite you, please come up afterwards. Let's talk. You want to receive Jesus into your heart. We will pray for you. It's a simple prayer, but a powerful connection begins. Uh, church, gathered church, are you guys okay if we join hands? I really feel impressed to do that. I know that, you know, we get a little skeptical about things, but I, I just want a prayer of agreement right here on, on what we're saying. Lord Jesus, you did not cleanse us to leave us empty. You paid an incredible price that we might be full of the life of God. And Lord, because you live in us, we now have a personal gospel. We now have a powerful gospel. One that doesn't just live in history books, but lives inside of us. We pray, Lord, one for another in this house to catch the fire, to embrace the move. Lord, we want to go deep with you. We don't want shallow Christianity. We want deep, personal, intimate fruit-bearing relationship and fruit that remains. Lord, fruit that's generational, fruit that lasts and affects all of our family trees, Lord, for generations to come. Uh, We just bless you, Lord. We sense your spirit. We sense your power this morning as we've sat in Scripture with you. You have illumined our heart and our mind to the truth. And Lord, we can't get over the fact. Do not fear, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom of God. We receive you, Lord, fresh and new. Now may we sit with you, know you, know what what your mission is, and then, Lord, reveal you everywhere we go. In Jesus' mighty, powerful name, everybody said amen. Come on, give God praise, church. Wow, wow. Amen. If you have questions or anything, stick around. We'll meet you at the front. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.